Hello everyone and welcome to the View from the Booth podcast. I'm still your host Mo Stewart and we are now about to record episode two. I'm very, very, very excited about this because I've got a fella in here who um, it's quite hard to describe because I know him as a DJ but since then he's kind of had a nomadic career across literally every kind of discipline you could think of but he is here in Liverpool too DJ uh, he's the man behind the Beatles dub club yes, who are yes. playing later this evening uh, Chris Arnold welcome to the podcast thank you very much for having me what an honour <laughs> oh, genuinely, the honour is mine. Um, like I say, I want to give you a shout out because you're the only person I know whose uh, Facebook page, personal Facebook page, is actually up to date. <laughs> and the list yeah. of all the different jobs on there are remarkable. Yeah. I mean, do you want to list some of them? Yeah, well, first of all, a lot of people are giving up on Facebook, aren't they? Yeah. The younger generation, they're all on Snapchat and TikTok, a lot of people on Twitter and Instagram. <sighs> Facebook is a bit like a kind of a city that's gone to ruin and everything is all over the place, isn't yeah. it? It's an absolute nightmare. Or like one of those seaside towns where people, yeah. some people still come yeah. and there's a few things that are still there, but yeah. it's all a bit faded. And yeah, the heyday was a long time ago mm-hmm. and people are still going there. There's a lot of older people <laughs> knocking around there, sharing all sorts of questionable memes. But yeah, I've, I, I still use it and there's still a lot of people there and it kind of is still decent to, for letting people know where you're playing, where mm-hmm. you're DJing, where you're performing. But I, I feel like it's, it's very busy on there and it's hard for anything to really pierce through. But basically, I've been DJing for a long time now. I started DJing in 2010, mm-hmm. 11. And then probably by 2012, I was doing it professionally. And over the years, I've done lots of work in like media, so lots of TV stuff and radio stuff. So my current main job is at, in the BBC, at BBC Radio Bristol, working on something called BBC Upload, mm-hmm. um, which which might be of interest to DJs listening in because lots of uh, DJs can get involved with BBC Upload by submitting their DJ mixes. They can end up on the BBC. Oh, wow. Yeah. So to, so to sort of paraphrase, BBC Upload, it's a bit like BBC Introducing. Uh, we all know about BBC Introducing. Yes, yes. It's where musicians can get their big break, where, like, you know, a lot of the big stars first came through. But BBC Upload welcomes all sorts. It welcomes comedy, poetry, podcasts, fiction, um uh, and DJ mixes and music as well. So uh, it, it's basically you can upload whatever you want and it can end up on the BBC. Wow. So my main job is like looking after that, which is great because it's all like new talent. It's all like exciting stuff. So podcasting, yeah? Yeah, so podcasting. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, this could end up on the on the BBC. Wow. You never know. Well, I mean, I like to think that this is an educational podcast in, in its entirety because we are kind of here pulling back the curtain for people about what it's really like as a DJ. And yeah, I mentioned you've done lots of different things, but DJing was a start. I want you to talk to me a little bit about Cool Beans. Yeah, Because okay. it sounds like your start within the kind of student union world is kind of similar to mine, as in it was something that was like a, almost like an opportunity that I took because it was there and then it kind of grew and grew. And looking at the website and the list of places <laughs> that you've played yeah. and artists you've played with, it's incredible because it did look like it, it kind of grew kind of organically. Very organically, yeah. So basically, I was at Sheffield University. I was in my final year, and I have to say, I kind of like, um, I wasn't the, not not like I was a wild, wild and out of control student, but I definitely <laughs> wasn't like applying myself in those first few years. And then as I got to my final year, I thought, you know what, I want to sort of like actually do some work and like get my degree passed and everything like that. But then I also was like, you know what, I want to make the most of, of a kind of Sheffield and yeah. what you can do there. And I 
two things I did in my final year. I, I, I signed up to do student radio to learn a bit more about how to do radio properly. And I started putting on events and we needed a, a name. And I asked a few of my friends if they wanted to get involved with me and they were, they were keen. I basically asked like the funniest people. I thought, you know, I thought they would be good for the job. And we needed a name. And at the time, I was a big fan of the film Hot Rod. You know, the Andy Sands. <laughs> 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 yes, I do. It's funny because yeah. that was probably a cult classic. But since that point, Andy Sandberg has become so much more popular. Yeah. So I think more people are probably aware of it now. Yeah, more people are definitely aware of Andy Samba. But that was like, you know, early days still for the Lonely Island and yeah hot rod was still a bit of a cult classic really i don't think it did very well at the cinema but it's a quite surreal comedy film very silly you know like bill hader's in it and uh will arnett and people like that yeah. and there's a scene when andy sandberg's character and he's like his best friend start they they have a fight and then they they make up and they they say are we good now and they're like yeah and they're like cool beans <laughs> and the other one goes cool beans and then it goes into some I mean, it starts like remixing it goes into some mad kind of like mashup remix <laughs> kind of song and we just found it really funny so we were like why don't we call the radio show the Coolbees radio show and we actually use that clip from the film as right. the intro and then we were like why don't we call the club night cool beans as well and it basically the idea was just a fun night kind of multi-genre and do it at a different venue each time which probably goes against the kind of gen general rule of promoting the general rule of promoting <laughs> is build up same venue yes last friday of the month but we just were we're trying things out basically so we were taking it around different venues in Sheffield and we were putting on bands and some comedy acts and all sorts and I was like playing the music in between the acts yeah you know very uh, kind of rudimentary just using like virtual DJ not mixing just playing like the tunes mm -hmm. and then what I tell you what was a turning point I went to festival uh, you know Rob the Banks yeah, yeah, big yeah. festival and I've been to like, you know, Reading Festival and festivals like that in the past, but I've never been to like a boutique-y kind of festival like festival. They're everywhere nowadays, aren't oh, they? Yeah. They're absolutely everywhere. But I'd never really seen anything like that before. And I was blown away by all these like wacky acts that I was seeing. One of the acts I saw were the correspondents. Yes, I know them. Yeah, yeah. So and then I thought they're amazing. So I booked them for Sheffield, early days of cool beans, and uh it, it took a bit of a, a risk and, and it cost a bit of money. But um ended up like i th we were hoping for like 200 people or so but s we had to move venue because tickets were selling so well it? like 600 people ended coming to this wow. event. it just was like a point a moment where everything came together <laughs> i love the fact that you, you seem to be literally breaking all the rules because yeah. you, you said you, you're kind of taking the, uh, your event from venue to venue and my head was like i bet they fucking hated that <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah you know venues don't like it if you if you move stuff around i mean even the other day did the beatles dog club show in his venue in bristol uh and the next venue we're going to do it at is at a different venue and the venue that we just did it at we're like why why can't you just mm -hmm. do it again here and i still do i still i think i think i like keeping things fresh i think that's one thing i've re realized yeah. by myself i like uh keeping things fresh i have done like nights over the years where it's been like I did a weekly night at the Harley in Sheffield for a while and that was every Wednesday so I have done that sort of thing um but I did do like the idea of moving moving it around but yeah off the back of like Cool Beans doing quite well as a night in Sheffield it meant a few things it meant I could stay living in Sheffield when I graduated and started working as a DJ and events host and also I kind of started to get booked as like a DJ mm. And that's really when I started DJ more and I, a friend of mine called Bryn, he knew how to like mix. So, so he kind of showed me the basics and then you just learn as you, as you go along, you know, this was the era where it was, a, it was, vinyl was still 
thing. Obviously, vinyl's still a big thing now, but it was moving into CDJ territory. Yes. So not like USB territory, but, you know, you show up with your big wallet <laughs> of, like, burnt CDs. <laughs> you know it well. I mean, people who genuinely know me and have seen me DJ will know that that was me until literally two months ago. Really? Yes. Really? I was the last man standing with CDs. And then, unfortunately, my CDJs broke. And I, okay. I had to, I had to move on. I'm, I'm still not really 100 percent over it, to be brutally honest with you. So, have you had to start using like USBs and record box mm-hmm. now and Serato or whatever? Yes. And how do you feel about that? Um, in some ways, it's easier because mm. if you'd have ever seen me before, frantically flipping through my yes. CD wallet, thinking, "I know the CDs here somewhere. Where is it? Yeah, Where is yeah, it?" And I've got yeah. 10 seconds to find it, put it in, find the right cue point, and then play the song. So, I don't have that kind of level of fear running through me when I'm DJing anymore. Yeah. But something in me misses that. Really? Know? Yeah. Like I, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm just I'm so used to the chaos that yeah. I, I'm not I'm not into that. Although that said, I have kind of found some new ways of mixing for me because mm. obviously, when you've got a screen, it's up there in front of you, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So I'll get I'll get used to it. Yeah, yeah. It, it, that was me for a long time as well with the wallets, you know, the CD wallets and you were flicking through and then you're like, oh, I know it's here. I think it's in the second to last page. You get the, oh, where's the CD? <laughs> yes. And then one thing I found eventually they started scratching, you know, so some of the tunes you put it on and be like, oh, no, no, not this one. It starts scratching about two minutes in. So, you know, and all that. I've been through all of those, yeah. But then I moved over to Serato got like a, a MacBook and started using Serato. And then after a while, that started to get a bit buggy on me and would let me down sometimes when DJing. So then in the recent years, I'm probably pre-COVID, maybe like a year before COVID, mm. I move over to Recklebox. And that is, it is straightforward. Just a couple of USBs, <laughs> plug them in. I know. Pretty robust, really. Make sure you got a backup. But on the whole, jobs are Yeah, there's, there's a reason why everybody does it that way now. I, <laughs> I mean, I'm not just being a curmudgeon, by the way. Some of the people who come to see me regularly have come over and said to me, it's like they miss seeing <laughs> me flipping through CDs and rubbing them on myself to get yeah, rid of all yeah, of yeah. The, the sweat. But yeah, it, we, 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 we should move on past. I mean, time moves on, so, so should we. The music stays the same, though. Yeah. So I want to talk to you a little bit about the difference between DJing in between and then having time to actually construct a full set. Because when you're in playing in between bands, you're almost kind of beholden to what the acts are. And you're kind of thinking, I'm trying to be a bridge between what that was and what this is going to be. Whereas once you're doing your own set, you've got your own template in front of you. Yeah, yeah. And I, I like both, you know. I like I like both. And I've done lots of uh, sets over the years where I've been like the guy DJing in between um, the bands at festivals mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And I do quite like the idea of like, right, that band has finished. They're a reggae band. The next band on a, like a ska band or whatever, like you want to make that gradual transition to when they come on. Um, but when you've got your own, you know, when it's just you, the focus is more on you. So you can cultivate that, that set a little yeah. bit better, can't you? Obviously it depends if you're DJing at a club or a bar all night long or whether you've got like, a, you know, an hour or a couple of hours amongst other DJs. So that can really, um, really vary. But is there one I prefer over the other? I wouldn't say no. I quite mm. like both of them, yeah. It is kind of like different disciplines and different mindsets. So like you mentioned something as well about when you're playing with lots of other DJs, like I'm always the, the, kind of the psychologist in me always comes out when I'm in that situation because <laughs> I'm kind of like, it feels a little bit like um, you, you're all like an athletics meet 
and you're all in the call room just kind of like sussing each other out yeah, like, yeah, yeah. trying to be civil and be like, oh yeah good show hopefully yeah, yeah. but also like i want to smash you <laughs> <laughs> Do you ever get that yeah, feeling? Yeah. yeah, I know that that there is that competitive element. I probably feel it like a little bit less so, but definitely like over the years, maybe like uh, when you're on a lineup or on a stage and maybe there's like five or six of you or so yeah. you kind of do want to do a good job and figure out the crowd uh so there is that there there's that in comedy as well you know like comedians obviously there's usually like five or six of them backstage yeah all trying to like suss each other out who's going to actually get the best uh response and there's there's you know there's a similar thing there with with djs definitely yeah. although one thing that comedians have is that it's unlikely someone's going to stand up there and tell the joke that you're literally about to tell. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, yeah. I mean, that's, I still vividly remember the time when I was meant to be playing after someone and they the, their last tune was meant to be my first tune. Okay, and yeah, yeah, it, yeah. it spun me out. But yeah. luckily I remembered that I could just play what was going to be my second tune. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it mixes in quite well. But yeah. Um, yeah, do you have any kind of vivid memories of those times of like stories of mad stuff that happened to you backstage and oh um there's been yeah bits and bobs over the years you know one one memorable night i remember doing boomtown fair mm. festival and it was like in one of the tents in like the sort of ravey area and uh i remember i, I was on like half two you know half two till four or something oh, on right. a saturday <laughs> night it was like the, you know very much like yeah party central and i remember um there was lots of stuff going on on the stage at boomtown fair for those who haven't been there's all sorts of like wandering actors and yes. like fire breathers and this and the other and i was djing there was like there was someone with an with an angle grinder you know with sparks flying around <laughs> and stuff like that and uh, i remember someone gave me like a pineapple and uh i remember sort of like th i was like who wants the pineapple like into the mic and like threw it to the crowd and everyone went mad and then like 10 minutes later it uh it got thrown back at me but it'd been like chewed through the skin what? i was like that's a that's a boomtown fair crowd there for <laughs> you, isn't it? jaws of steel but they i remember that vividly and then we had a lot of fun like kind of like afterwards backstage was like the, the state of this pineapple oh my god <laughs> <laughs> i mean well at least they threw it back like yeah 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 bloody hell <laughs> yeah but then i always think that about when you're kind of playing for people you, you you're you're happy for them to kind of get into that kind of feral mm. almost uh, energy because it's like yeah, yeah i'm feeding off it but don't don't come too close yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i have to you know you know we could there's lots of things to be said about you know sort of crowd interaction while you're djing and being pestered for requests yes and and that sort of thing like i i have to say i'm not like an anti-request dj i know some djs like hate it don't they they're like i'm here to do the do the gig i'm here to do the job leave me alone uh i don't mind requests i think when it's like kind of persistent or if they're being rude or whatever yes. that's when it can obviously get a bit bit frustrating but i have to say like in in recent years i do tend to I don't do as many gigs where I'm like right amidst the crowd. Uh, I you know do like it when you're on stage. You know, there's a, there's maybe like a security guard oh, like yeah. on the side, like <laughs> or, or they're far enough, or you know. So maybe that you know people might hold up their phones and say, "Can you play this or whatever?" Um, but I, w I also think it was like a post-COVID thing. You know, I remember yes. actually doing a few gigs coming you know late 2021 and we just come out of lockdown and i was like i'm not too sure about being in the midst of of everyone again just yet that, that was exactly the same and i've always been someone who will listen 
Mm. to requests uh, but like you say it d- does depend upon how it's put across but in those moments when we were just kind of getting back to you i was kind of a bit like okay i'm just if no one talks to me yeah, tonight yeah, i'll be yeah, all right and yeah. then when someone would come up rather than just kind of leaning i'm kind of very much leaning my face away yeah, from them so yeah. they're like if you're gonna affect me at least infect my ear yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's another thing obviously these are like loud environments so everyone's like shouting do you do many of those uh, sit down gigs, like 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 socially distant sit down gigs? Yes. Yeah. I did not like them. No, it was a weird time, wasn't it? I was. There was a couple of times when I was playing and people were actively having to be told to stop dancing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was yeah. like, this this is wrong. This is wrong <laughs> on so many levels. Why are we Why are we stopping? Like, yeah. I almost felt like stopping the music and being like, you know what? Screw this. I'm going home. Yeah, then. yeah, yeah. And yeah. then I, I remember the money and, and I said, yes. like, <laughs> so yeah. Speaking of list i mean your career has kind of gone on a mad trajectory in terms yeah. of you've played like you say festivals and stuff like that before we even get to the dub club stuff but when you've been doing some of the um when you were kind of building up that mm. have you had a few of those moments where you're like you're playing to an empty crowd and you're thinking <laughs> what am i doing here yeah. how, how how am i yeah. how am i piecing this together well how do you keep it going yeah yeah well i have to you know i've Cause I was in I was in bands before DJing and I've done bits of like comedy as well and like over the years and hosting events so I've done all sorts so I've played to my fair share of like empty rooms <laughs> or empty like tents or whatever yeah. like over the years and I think I remember like early on when I was in a band I always used to sometimes I'd be like oh there's no one here or whatever and then you kind of learn early on that actually you, you never know who's there you never know like who might be watching I remember the I was doing, we were doing a gig and, and with my band and the guitarist usually would jump around and put everything into it. And then we were doing a gig and there was hardly anyone there. And he just was like really phoning in, just standing there. And I was like, come on, mate, what's wrong? And he was like, well, what's the point? No one's here. But I think you, you do have to put your all in, yeah. um, you know, de- depending on the gig. Like if, if you're playing to a bar and it's pretty chilled and everyone's sitting down, it's Sunday night or whatever, maybe, you know, you can sort of phone it in a little <laughs> bit. Uh, but but on the whole, you, you just got to play for yourself. I think ultimately, at the end of the day, you got if there's no one there, you might as well play for yourself and yeah. the bar staff. You know, like keep them and the the venue staff and all that. It's almost trickier, like you know, if you got like a f- if you suddenly you've got like you know ten people on the dance floor, then that's really hard, isn't it? Yeah. Actually, yeah, because playing to no one is easy because no one's there. You play whatever. Playing to a full house, that's fairly. If they're on side, then that's easy as well. But when you got like ten, fifteen. It's hard. It's Because <laughs> you can see the looks on their faces. Yeah. When you put a new song on and you're just kind of like, yes, still going to dance, are we? Yeah. Uh, or if they, and then they go to the bar and you're just like, oh, God. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's really, if, if you play something they don't like, they will just, it's really visible. They will just like, don't react. Very much all. so. So, yeah, I've had, you know, and I still do have like gigs, some, you know, plenty of gigs where like barely anyone's there. Hmm. Um, it's, it's all part of it, you know. I remember it was like, I remember actually it was early on in my DJ career. I was here for, I think it was Sound City. Oh, yeah. And um, it was one of the Red Bull events. I used to do some of the, some of the Red Bull stuff. And I remember one of them, it just, it, it was big DJs. I think I was on like doing the warm up and there was people like artwork and melee and yeah, like, yeah, you know, yeah. big, big gigs. So it just wasn't busy for whatever reason. There was no one there. And this was like early days of Twitter. It might've been like 2013 or so. And I remember the next day artwork tweeting, 
uh, I, I played to nobody last night and I did not smash it. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I remember thinking, that's refreshing, you know, yeah. it, is, it is refreshing because you're so, especially on social media, so used to seeing everyone smashing it all the time. Exactly. Uh, so I quite like that. And, you know, over the years, I've been very happy to share some of the videos where no one's come to watch me DJ. Uh, and sometimes I'll put something like, you know, absolutely smash the game. Thank you, <laughs> thank you to everyone who came down. And then like the video will be like three people just sat down in the corner. See, I don't know. Maybe your personality in general kind of makes is help you, helps you kind of get through those things as well. But yeah. I don't know. I think for me, from knowing you and from seeing you, like your personality, you're the it comes out when you're playing, like even through your music or yeah. you know through being. A gregarious person <laughs> I think it's probably the fairest way yeah. of saying it but then I'm very I'm very similar in that and it's like is that almost like you're doing it without realizing or are you thinking this is helping as part of the entertainment thing yeah I think I I think it's always sort of been my personality to drift towards the like more humorous mm. stuff so the bands I was in as a teenager we were like quite silly and quite fun and then the cool beans you know the events that I would run with the, the focus would be on the fun we, we'd like change mix it all up musically but it have to be kind of fun and then my DJ sets you know would always be like quite good fun like it, I was you know a party DJ happy mm -hmm. to mix it up and play lots of different genres and you know ravey stuff as well but on the whole it was all like orientators in in fun so i think i lead into that quite a lot and i think it's stuff that i'm comfortable with and uh and i think yeah over the years it has maybe helped with some of the career uh sides of things yeah. you know especially sometimes like using social media for for silly things that can go like a, some sort of stuff has gone viral and that sort of thing and then <laughs> and then you end up getting opportunities off the back of it yeah. well yeah i mean like I still can't get over the fact that you're going to, what is it, a jigsaw museum? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Because yeah. uh, for those who don't, like, I'll let you tell the story of the jigsaw. It's one of my favourite of your bits, by the way. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I just saw, because I know it's been kind of going on for a while, and then yeah. I just saw that this is happening. It's like... Really odd. You are one of these people that mad shit just keeps happening to. Yeah, yeah. So, sometimes, you just, you just, sometimes you just keep going with the gag. You never know where it will... <laughs> It will get you. So this goes back to like um, lockdown 2021. This January one, you know, suddenly it was announced we were going to be locked down yeah. for another like five months. And that was a tough one, you know, because yeah. it was like, God, oh, this is a slog. The novelty of lockdown yeah, yeah. has worn off. We've and watched all the videos. Yeah. We don't need to see anymore. And in fact, I think I even I said I've, I said it was like, you know, halfway through Jan, I, I put something on uh, Facebook like, um, given up on Netflix doing jigsaws now and I just put up a photo of me looking a bit full on with this jigsaw and then someone messaged me he's actually the trombone player in, in a band that I used to like do gigs with a long time ago a guy called Josh he just messaged me and said what's your address and I was I gave him my address and I didn't think much of it and then like a few weeks later uh, yeah I get a knock at the door and a postman's dropping off this parcel I open it up and it's a jigsaw of me doing the jigsaw <laughs> <laughs> So it's a jigsaw of me doing the jigsaw. And then I'm like, that is funny, actually. I didn't know about these sort of jigsaws, but you can, you know, you can order them online. So yeah. it's a jigsaw of me doing a jigsaw. And then I get to work doing the jigsaw. Because obviously you have to. <laughs> yeah. So then eventually I finish the jigsaw of me doing a jigsaw. And then I put that up online um, as well. And then my, a few months went by and then like my work colleagues bought, sent me a jigsaw of me doing a jigsaw of me doing a jigsaw and it just like <laughs> carried on and I do and then basically and that was like quite funny and people found it funny online 
and then I was doing stand-up uh, at a place like a year and a bit ago now, a while ago, and I had had some of it filmed where I was talking about me doing, um, you know, the jigsaw, and it was like a funny little this, that, and the other, a video of me doing stand-up. And I remember I put, this is the interesting thing about social media, I put it up on like Facebook and Twitter, maybe on my like Instagram stories or something like that, and mm. it got like a bit of a response, like, you know, people enjoyed it, but it didn't go like crazy or anything like that. And um, at the start of this year, I started using TikTok. A friend of mine was like, why don't you start using TikTok? Yeah, yeah. And I hadn't really like gone near TikTok, maybe because, you know, I'm sort of getting on to mid thirties now. I think, you know, TikTok's what all the young kids are into. But a friend of mine, he's, you know, he's a little bit younger than me. He's like late twenties, but he's built up this huge following doing sketches and all sorts. Mm -hmm. And I was like chatting with him and he said like, you've got so much like content from the last like decade or so. Why don't you just put up some of that? So I was like, why not? You know, I had quite a chilled January and February. I wasn't gigging much. So I was like, I, st I could tell my wife that I was um, cr creating archive content for the vertical generation, <laughs> is what I was saying. And I just dropped these videos on TikTok vertical instead of horizontal because that's how everyone wants them nowadays. And some of them did well. Some of them did all right. Some of them don't do anything. But TikTok's kind of mad because even though you don't have a following, vid random videos can just go viral. Yeah. And... A, the jigsaw one on TikTok just went crazy. It got like uh, half a million views and then like eighty five thousand likes Bloody on it. Hell. But it just, but it just kind of went viral. And when something goes viral on Twitter, like everyone finds out about it because all the journalists are on there. But when something goes viral on TikTok, it just sort of sits there. But one thing that did happen is I get an email from the International Jigsaw Puzzle Convention, <laughs> and they say, "Do you want to come perform at this year's convention?" <laughs> And I was like, what? And they were like, yeah, you can come and do your jigsaw material. I said, I've only got three minutes. <laughs> I was going to say that. It's like, <laughs> are they expecting more than what they've already yeah. seen? I said, listen, I've only got like three minutes. I'll try and get some more and I could do some of my other stuff. And they were like, yeah, yeah, that would be fine. And I was like, okay. So, and then I quoted them like a certain amount, you know, because obviously like flights and everything like that. And they were like, yeah, it's fine. It's sponsored by Ravensburger, which is like this big jigsaw company but and they were like um yeah last year it was in las vegas next year it's in uh dubai i was like well this one's in berlin so that's quite, quite I mean, good but it's a shame i didn't get the video up a year ago could have been going to las vegas so imagine that yeah what will have to happen someone will have to take a picture of you at the conference yeah. and turn that into a jigsaw that, that yeah. has to be the yeah, next yeah, step yeah, yeah. right so one of the questions that i'm planning to ask everybody i didn't ask morph because i forgot and we were i mean sometimes you're in the flow of the conversation yeah, yeah, these yeah. i'm not exactly uh, a, a well um oiled host i think it's fair to say but i was in a taxi today uh in on the way here and the taxi driver does what they all do asked me what i do and i said a dj and i almost kind of sighed before i said it because i knew what the next question was yeah. going to be oh so what kind of stuff do you play and you know what? I've been DJing for 20 years. I still don't have a proper mm. answer to that question. So I'm going to ask it to you. <laughs> <laughs> Just because I want to know. Like, yeah. I, there might be something I can pick up and use. But, like, genuinely, when people ask you that question, what is your answer? You know what? It's, it's, it's a hard one. Like, because me and you are both, like, multi-genre DJs. Exactly. So I say, you know, I play all sorts of genres and I'm quite a fun party DJ is what I tend to tell people. 
And then if they start asking about like genres, I tend I, I start off I tend to say you know I play all sorts from like reggae to hip hop to disco to funk to some more ravey stuff like drum and bass. I kind of go all over the place, but it is quite hard. And the, you know DJs often debate, don't they, about actually what is better to be like just the the, the genre DJ. You know, I am a house DJ yeah. or I'm a DMB DJ. And I think if you if you become a big producer in that way, you can do really well. But I think it's kind of more fun to be multi-genre, even though it's hard to sort of pigeonhole um, yourself as a DJ. Like there aren't that many like mass, massive multi-genre DJs out there, are no, there really? No. Yeah. And yeah, I, I had the same problem because it was almost like if I'm going to, if I'm going to kind of specialise, I'm kind of closing off so much of the stuff that I love mm. and I don't really want to do that. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, but I, 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 lo- I love that whole... Uh, idea as well because it normally comes and as I say comes from me just from a pure love of music really and like being able to be in any situation it's almost like a gunslinger it's like give me give me a a CD wallet or a USB and a set of headphones and and point me at a crowd yeah 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 no I love that which kind of brings me nicely onto this whole Beatles dub club thing because first of all I'm kind of pissed off at you (laughs) because this idea was just sitting there on the shelf for all this time. Yeah. And I never thought of it. And I fucking live here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I want to know how it came to you. Well, it, it is a weird one, actually. Yeah, And actually, I go back to, you know, I, I have always been like a multi-genre DJ. But actually now the show that I get booked for the most is Beatles Dog Club. And that's a bit more boxed in. I'm a bit more boxed in with what I can do with that, mm. that show. Basically, I've... I'm sort of a big fan of doing something new, keeping it fresh, as I said. And and actually, it, I can tell you exactly when it was. It was like late 2019. And I've always like gone in and out of like being kind of like borderline obsessed with like the Beatles. And as like a lot of people, you know, I'm not the only one. Loads of people love them and kind of really intrigued with their kind of the, the mythology behind it. Everything yeah. they did in such a short space of time, everything that went on. And then like the, the and then one thing I sort of realized is like, so many covers and remixes and mashups and 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 all sorts uh, relating to the Beatles are out there now. You you might be different to me, but even though I've DJed lots of stuff uh, uh, over the years and lots of different venues, and and I was even a resident in a nightclub where I played in the room where it was like sixties, seventies, eighties music. But despite that, I don't play that many like Beatles songs out and about. You know, like at a wedding, you, you know, Twist and Shout might yeah. come out or something like that. But on the whole. The Beatles songs, though, even though everyone knows them, they're not super dance floor friendly. No, they're no. not. Yeah, they're not. Like, are they? I would yeah. say the ones that I play regularly are Twist and Shout. Uh, saw I saw her standing. Yeah, there, yeah, yeah. Come together at the end of the night. And Hey Jude, if it's a wedding. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, the, you know, the one of the, the biggest band in the world, maybe you know, and their back catalogue is enormous, and you know, everyone knows these songs. But I was going through. Um, you know, one of these deep Beatles dives that I was having in like the, it was like autumn of uh, 2019. And I started thinking, you know what, there could be like a fun festival show in this where I play versions of the Beatles tunes. Like I was thinking predominantly like reggae and dub and Latin and some of the remixes I knew Mm -hmm. were out there. And, you know, there's a bit of a precedent for this. There's the fleet mac wood guys yeah, who yeah. tour that show all around the world don't they and it's like it's like cover ver- remixes of fleetwood mac songs and then there's this kind of whole scene of um 
it's ABBA night tonight, you know, or, or it's Taylor Swift night tonight, or <laughs> yes. it's whatever, you know. Yeah, yeah, and these yeah. throwback nights, which are kind of like in the social media age, very, very popular. And I've got a friend of mine, a guy, uh, he's called Mikey, he's DJ Snooze, and he has a very popular show that he takes around the festivals, and it's called 80s Lycra Party. He's DJing <laughs> 80s tunes, and he's got, like, dancers in Lycra. I it mean, does exactly what yeah, it says on the Yeah, I was going to say, that, that yeah. sounds like an absolute layup. <laughs> yeah, it does exactly what it says on the tin. And I thought, you know what, actually, festivals, they might like something like this on their lineups. It could be a fun way to do some different gigs. Bit of a challenge, bit of this, what that, whatever. So I thought call it Beatles dub club, like three buzzwords almost, you know, like <laughs> as a bit of a homage to, you know, like dub pistols and gentlemen dub club and how they've used that, yeah, that yeah. term. And then obviously adding, adding the Beatles in there. I've got my mate who does artwork. He, he put some artwork together and I put like a 15 minute taster mix together, made it as fun and as creative as I could. And, um, you know, I've sort of been pestering festivals for years and often, often with like me as a DJ, as you know, do you want to book DJ Chris Arnold? It's like, yeah, maybe. Well, there's so many other DJs. Exactly. Like or even I used to do like Cool Bean stuff and people, they would be like, what is this Cool Bean stuff? Whereas I was, would contact festivals. I was like, do you want to book the Beatles Dub Club? They're like, absolutely. Yeah. It was like response was like pretty immediate and was like, yeah, this sounds great. Yeah. Why not? So I had a load booked in for 2020. Mm-hmm. I had like 10 festivals or so booked in. And obviously everything got cancelled, you know, like so many, you know, I was not the only person who got cancelled. But because I never got going with it, it, I almost like as we were coming out of lockdown, you know, back to uh, summer 2021, I wasn't sure about the idea anymore. You know, know, a lot of us weren't sure about events or anything. Yeah, 100%. Sideways, yeah. Uh, But Green Man Festival with the Chai Waters guys who run the tent there, they said, do you want to come and do Beale's Dub Club idea? And I I was like, yeah, okay. So I went down and did it. And um, I was on in between two bands. And I thought maybe I'd get some of the stragglers, you know, in between the two bands. And uh, I start playing and, you know, people start like filtering in. It was 5 p.m. on the Friday. So, you know, an okay time. People still fresh. And then I, you know, and they were coming in and they're singing along and, and then by the end of, of the set, the tent was like full. It was like 2,000 people there. The guy running the tent was like, this is crazy. And th- I remember there and then he said, like, I've got a tent at like four festivals. Do you want to do all of them next year and all that? And then I had footage from it and everything like that. And then I was like, okay, it, it, it mm-hmm. is a good idea. People are into it. So then like the following summer, so summer 22, I like honed it up and made the show a bit tighter Lots of edits of the songs, a bit more digging around. Yeah. And then last summer was just was wild. You, you know, I did, you know, some of the shows still weren't that busy to go back to like, you know, they're not, <laughs> yeah. they're not, all, they're not all screamers, but basically last summer doing the Beatles dub club stuff, the, some of them were like the biggest gigs I've ever done. So like Boomtown, Glastonbury and Shambhala and Blue Dot in particular and Green Man again, they're all like thousands of people who came to like Boomtown. I think it was like, it was in the woods. Yeah. Yeah, it was like, it was like five, 6,000 people or so. Like it was pretty bonkers. <laughs> so it's just been really good fun and a, and a different way of DJing because you Usually you go to a gig and you're not, you you might have some idea of what you're going to play. Whereas now with this show, I pretty much know I'm, box, <laughs> I'm boxed in. I'm, I've, I've got a limited amount of stuff uh, so I can mix it up a little bit. But it's almost like being in a band and you're taking your songs around. Yeah, I was just going to say, it's like yeah. you're touring a certain album. But then yeah. I imagine, because I've only kind of dipped my toe, obviously I've listened to your mixes, but I've only dipped my toe into the whole world of Beatles covers. Like there's so many out there. Yeah. If you, I mean, I know you say you kind of like to keep things fresh, but... You could do this for a long time yeah. if you wanted to. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, you know, I was trying to refresh the. I've refreshed the show a little bit for this year compared to last year. Um, but I don't get too bogged down in it, I guess, especially at festivals. You know, if people have seen it before, they can go and watch like something else. You know, there's still a lot of people who haven't <laughs> seen it. So I'm fine. You know, there's and actually someone else who I'd say we're. Um, it's kind of a similar thing to a man of this city's parish, Craig Charles, you know, what he's yes. done with the Funk and Soul show. And over the years, you know, he, you know, you know what you're going to get with Craig Charles's show, don't you? You know exactly what you're going to get. You're going to get a lot of Funk and Soul and he's been doing that for a long time now. Yeah. So, and and still doing it really well. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm hopefully eventually going to get him on here to explain it himself. Oh well, yeah. Nice. Yes. Nice. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's a long time in process. I'm he's pre- a busy man. He is a busy Between man. Between his like eight radio shows, <laughs> On Six Music and, <laughs> like, and all the DJing. One of the very few people in the whole world that he ever listens to is a good friend of mine, so I'm hoping that she's going to lean on him. Oh, yeah. But we'll see. Speaking of famous friends, let's talk a little bit about your friend Norman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A.K.A. Norman Cook, A.K.A. Fatboy Slim, for those who don't know. He got in touch with you, didn't he? Yeah, it was, it was yeah, and, I, uh, and I've told this story like a couple of times now, but um, it, was like, it was just before Glastonbury last year, and I... You know, I made some social media pages for the Beatles Dub Club, you know, very small followership because it's like a brand new project. And um, just before Glastonbury, I had like opened up like Instagram and I had like a DM from Fatboy Slim. It went into like the request folder, you know, because I wasn't following him. And then like, uh, I just was like, Fatboy Slim, like, is this, I thought it was spam. I thought it was, I, I was like, what is this? And then I was like, hold on, it actually is him, you know. And then I looked at it and he said, oh, I like the, really like this idea. My son has told me about it and uh, hoping to catch a show at Glastonbury. And then he was like, um, let me know your email. I've got a song for you, like an edit for you. What? And I was like, what? So I, guess, so I gave him my email address and then he sent me this great edit of Come Together, like a dub version of Come Together, which I, you know, still very much is a part of the set. And uh, I just was like, wow, this is mental. I mean, <laughs> like, not only to be giving you support about it, but yeah. to be giving you songs. Like, yeah. as, as DJs know, if we've got a song that we like and we think is really good, yeah. we're not necessarily going to share it with all of no, our other DJ no. friends. No, especially not. And, I, and, you know, and maybe because it's so far removed from what he does as Fatboy Slim. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, if he made like a great, you know, like sort of house kind of edit or something, he probably would keep it to himself or or, or maybe share with like a few people. But I think because it's so far off and apparently he's a a big Beatles fan and and a big Dove fan, he just had been tinkering away with stuff. So he sent me, um, he sent me that. And then as the summer went on, he sent me like a few more tunes and they're all great obviously because he's a good producer yeah so i use them all and then um yeah and then i he invited me down to do um his all back to minehead event at butlin's minehead which this is this is fatboy slim weekender and that was crazy like it was like you know loads of fatboy slim fans <laughs> and he did like lots of different sets and then there was lots of different acts on as well like mainly djs um, but but great, yeah, and I'm doing that again this year. Like they've asked me uh, to to go back and do the second one. Uh, but just I just was sort of blown away by his kind of like sense of fun yeah. and um, you know generosity. You know because he doesn't need to be. He's, he's got plenty of other things to be doing. Yeah. <laughs> no, he generally, like all of the stories I've heard about him, he genuinely sounds like a stand-up yeah. bloke. So I'm always pleased to hear that that, that yeah. one remains. All so, that stuff he does with Eats Everything, you know, exactly, the fat yeah. boy Eats Everything stuff, they're very funny together. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, it is good to be able to see someone still enjoying it because like, 
I think when you get to a certain age, I'm finding it close to that now. <laughs> yeah. um, it's almost like the job element of it can start to take over, but mm. it looks like he's still very much involved in the yeah. fun element. And yeah, he gives me hope for the future. Yeah, I mean, it, it must help for him that he pulls in crowds of like yeah. thousands I mean, of people. Like, yeah. It's a lot more fun when yeah. you play to people who are screaming your name. Got yeah. it. Yeah. Thanks, thanks, Chris. No. Um, <laughs> well, me as well. Like. <laughs> But yeah, he's, I think it was 59 at the all back to minor thing. So he might be 60 now. He might be, you know, so he's, you know, he's getting on a bit, but I think, I don't think he's going to stop or retire anytime soon. Oh, he soon. can't stop. Yeah. Like he literally can't stop. He's going to be playing. He's going to be playing Glastonbury every year until at least he dies or I die. Yeah. So <laughs> that's already locked in. Yeah. Uh, one last thing I was talking about, Dub Club. Um, is this your first time tonight playing in Liverpool? It is. Yeah, yeah. So looking forward to it. You know, it's made, I was quite happy it being like a festival thing and just something that pops up at festivals, but only because it did so well uh, last summer. I've um, started to get a few like requests to to play in like venues in cities, so done a few of them. Just done a few of them. So I did Bristol the other day, and that was amazing. That sold out. Um, I did Lancaster yesterday, and that was really good. And I also did a London gig, and then yeah, Liverpool is like the last one of sort of the venue shows. Um, but it's the first time like playing Liverpool, so yeah, very excited. Like tickets have done quite well, and yeah. and you know the city is absolutely alive as we're recording this. There's like thousands, tens of thousands <laughs> yes. of people above us uh, because of Eurovision. Obviously, it's taken over the city. Timing is impeccable, <laughs> as always. No, it is, and I think for me. It always days like this and times like this mm. always reinforce what one of the things I love about this place and why I've settled here is because they care about the things I care yeah, about. Yeah. And I think Eurovision it always felt like a good fit with the city because we're welcoming in general, but we're also we are lovers of music. Mm. I mean, there's people busking at literally every corner you can see around yeah. here. So I think you'll find that you will be received well, <laughs> definitely. Yeah. Uh, one thing I would say, I'm not sure about what your stage setup is, but you might get a few people coming up and asking for requests. <laughs> I'm not even joking. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I'm ready for that. The phone in the air with the text on it, that's fine. I mean, the phone in the air if you're lucky. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. these people aren't, aren't afraid of climbing over a, yeah. a barrier or two. <laughs> I will say that. Um, all right, okay, so we're wrapping up now. Another question that I want to ask everybody well, two questions, really. One, what has been your favourite gig you've played so far? And the second question, which I'm going to give you a little bit of time to think about while you're answering the first one, your ultimate gig, wherever it is and whoever it's for, what are the last three songs you're going to play? I <laughs> well, see, this is why I've given you to these yeah, twice, so you yeah. can have time to think in the background of the other one. Well, I have to say, like, what I mean, one of my favourite... It was two last summer. I think Glastonbury and Boomtown last summer were, were real moments where I was just like, "Wow, this is so many people um, that I'm that I'm playing to." It's like overwhelming. Um, but but over over the years, you know, I, I can probably think back to some of those first few Cool Beans yeah. events that I did. We did a, the second ever Cool Beans was in this tiny little pub called the Red House, and the first one I think we, I was, we were finding our feet, and then the second one. Um, it just was a full on party and everyone was having such a good time. And I remember thinking like, this is incredible. Like I do, I want to keep on yeah. doing that. So I think the journey is almost as important as when you kind of get to the point, maybe that you're, that you're aiming, um, to be at. Um, so that, yeah, they would be some of my favorite ones. There's lots from over the years, but those are that. I tell you, I tell you one that actually I always sticks out. Like when I was in, um, when I was in bands, I was quite into like punk and punk rock and yeah. 
I was a big fan of like all the American stuff. And I remember, this is way before Beatles Dog Club, so this was like 2014 maybe, I got asked if I wanted to do the fills in between the bands on the main stage. Um, one was before the headliners who had no effects, the American band No <laughs> oh, Effects, <okay>. yeah, <laughs> who I was like a huge fan of. And this is still am really, actually. I bought tickets to see them later this year. But I, as a teenager, I just just thought they were the, the best. Yeah. Very inspiring with regards to like DIY kind of ethics and just cracking on and doing stuff. So I remember doing that and then getting to meet them. And I remember just being like, this is insane. One of my favorite moments. <laughs> so were they there? Did they see you while you were playing? Yeah, or so what? I was like side stage. Boomtown's a bit wacky because I was like up. It's kind of a stage that isn't there anymore. It's called the town center. I was like up in this little whole side stage. And then, and then they played as soon as I finished. And uh, I watched the show like side stage when I was chatting with, it was funny actually, um, the guitar player was starting to get into DJing and he was came over and was asking me all sorts of stuff. About, oh, hey, how do these work and stuff like that? Amazing. Yeah. You should have you should have got into Bucky. It's like, yeah, look, next tour, I'll come on. I'll pay I you in lessons. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I could handle being on the road with, with those guys. They, they've got, they had, they released like a DVD of all their backstage kind yeah. of stuff with a pretty chaotic uh, band. But to go to that, that next question. So, you know, the, the final three songs what would i kind of end with well i tell you what actually to, to sort of like amalgamate what's been kind of like my uh finisher tunes like over, over the years um there was a period when i was doing a night in uh sheffield called threads and i would often finish with and this is quite quite a cheesy one to say but you know frankie valley can't take my eyes off of you. oh yeah 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 now there was there was something about that song about that time that period it was good friends with new york brass band and they were doing like a brass band cover of it very right, lively yeah, and all yeah. that and we used to finish on it and then it became a song that was around me and my girlfriend now wife at the time and then it ended up being our first dance at our wedding so it means and, and also new york brass band performed at my wedding oh, fantastic and we were like we started it to the song doing our first dance and then they came in from the back of the tent and started playing and and then they started their set like joining in from halfway. So that song is like a special so, place in my So heart. I was gonna ask you, did you DJ at your own wedding? I did a little I did a little set, I think. Not a huge not a huge one. I think I might have played like a couple of songs. Because I, I want to do that when I if and when I ever get married. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Some of my friends have looked at me like I'm crazy for but I'm yeah. glad every time I hear someone else do it, I'm like, yes. I don't think I was down to to play. That wasn't the plan, but I think I jumped because I had like a few of my friends play. So I think I ended up like jumping on. Um, so yeah, that's one of the songs. And then maybe, you know, at the moment I'm ending the Beatles Dub Club set princip principally with an, a great reggae version of Let It Be, uh, which kind of does the trick. Oh, yeah. And, some t and actually Fatboy Slim's done me an edit of Hey Jude, which is really kind of clever. But and it's kind of not too far away from the original, but it's just sort of dubbed it up and oh, it works really well. So I don't okay. so I might play that later, maybe. <laughs> um, but I probably I think I prefer the, the the let it be one. And then I went through doing all the festival gigs early on when I was doing like multi-genre sets, I would off, more often than not finish with a Bob Marley number, maybe like One Love, you know, or Three Little Birds. Yeah. Probably one or the other, just because it was like the perfect way to end. So maybe one of them. So they, they would be my three, I'd say, maybe. Very strong choices. All. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> to be honest, the whole Bob Marley sentiment, it, it's something that will always do you good in mm. Liverpool. Like, I mean, obviously you're doing the Beatles set, but if you're ever not doing a non-Beatles set yeah. in Liverpool and you wanted to end with Bob Marley, crack on. Mm. Particularly Three Little Birds. It yeah. will literally go off and they'll be singing it out in the streets all yeah. the way down. It's one of my favourite things about this place. 
Really? Do you often finish on? Oh yeah. Oh, nice. yeah. <laughs> no, it's just—it's so good. It's—you it's, know—you know the music that that man gave everyone. Yeah, and those—they're just perfect finishers, aren't they? Yeah. They're great. Yeah. No, I love it. I love it. And uh, that feels like a perfect time for us to finish this, Chris. I honestly could have asked you about fifty million different things, and. I might even come back. If I ever do a show about comedians, I'm going to come back and ask you all the comedy <laughs> questions. Yeah. But for now, thank you so much for coming. Uh, one last thing I will say, where can people who aren't going to be going to the gig tonight hear you over the course of the summer? Yeah, so um, we're going to be releasing kind of like the little posts with all the festival dates and there's still some being like fleshed out. But a Beatles Dub Club, you know, on all the socials, I'll be sharing all the info on there. But the ones coming up, I mean, and doing some of the pub in the park ones that look like quite good fun one in Wimbledon Leamington Spa uh, one in St Albans and that's supporting UB40 oh. with, with, with Ali Campbell because I know there's two UB40s at the moment so doing them <laughs> yeah. that they should be good fun and then like going back to Kendall Calling again which I'm looking looking forward to then like a lot of new ones like Nibley Festival I'm doing Funk Up the Farm um, Breedy Reunion uh all sorts oh both camp festivals really looking forward to that they were like they were like the first two sort of festival bookings like rob the bank booked me for them back in like october or something so both camp festivals should be really really uh really good and then there's a few more like that sort of being ironed out because it's still kind of early days but looking quite busy again yeah yeah should be a good good summer I recommend to all of you if you see this man on a playlist somewhere or on a bill somewhere go and find him (laughs) definitely Chris thank you so much thank you very much Mo thanks